Welcome to Catholic Money Talk, where we talk about all things money and finance, and we try to do it through a lens of being Catholic, where our ultimate goal is to one day be in heaven with the Lord. I am your host, Paul Scarfone. Thank you for being here today. So today, we're going to talk about how to live below our means and what that actually looks like. But before we do that, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We ask you for all the grace and wisdom that we need in facing the challenges or circumstances that we find ourselves in. We know that you love us and that you have a great plan for us. Allow us to yield to your Holy Spirit. We ask all this through the name of Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, we might hear this phrase, live below your means. What does that look like, and how do we do it? Uh, We can hear some of these things, and they might sound like a really good idea, but without really knowing how to do it, it's hard to implement it. But first, I want to I want to just give us a little bit of perspective, a little bit of framework for this conversation. On this podcast, Catholic Money Talk, right? Our, our main goal is to get to heaven. God created us to know him, love him, and serve him in this life and be happy with him forever in the next. So how do we know him, love him, and serve him with our finances? How do we look different from everyone else in the world because we're Catholic and we allow that our faith to permeate everything we do, right? We we invite the Lord in to be not just Lord of our life, but Lord of every part of our life, and that includes our finances. So knowing what the Lord wants us to do through prayer, through scripture, uh, through wisdom, we want to be able to do that with our finances. One of my favorite scripture verses when we talk about what does living below your means look like is uh, Proverbs 21, verse 20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. So if we're not living below our means, if we're kind of cruising at or above our means, uh, Proverbs says we're being pretty foolish, and we've probably discovered that in some of the pickles we might have found ourselves in. So live below your means. Right? We might hear that from a lot of financial experts. Uh, it could be on the internet or social media. Live on less than you make. Right? When we first hear it, it probably makes sense and resonates with us. But what does it actually mean? Living below your means implies just that. You make a certain amount of money, you have a certain level of income, and you live in such a way that you do not need to spend it all. It sounds simple, yet implementing it is one of the biggest challenges that people face. Almost 80% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So that means every paycheck that comes in is spent. There's no excess. They need the next paycheck to show up on time or they're going to have a problem. So living below your means sounds like a good idea, right? But how do we do it? There's really kind of four main elements to living below our means. The first one is we need to actively budget, right? So we need to plan our spending and we track it to make sure we spend the money where we planned to spend it, right? When I when I work with clients, I always say there's there's kind of three stages in budgeting, right? The first one is just no budget. People often wonder where their money's going. They have no idea, 
right? I can tell this when I ask a client, well, how, how much do you spend on groceries? I, they answer, I have no idea, right? Or I might say, what's your mortgage payment? And they say, I have no idea, right? That's, that's the first stage is people just have no idea where their money's going. Most people, if you ask them, do you budget? And they reply, yes. Most of them don't actually really actively budget. Instead, they just kind of track their expenses, right? So these people might know how much they spend on groceries. They might know how much they, you know, their mortgage is, but it's, it's very reactive, right? It's like at the end of the month, they categorize all the money that left their bank account and they either say, wow, that was a pretty good month or, ooh, that was a pretty bad month. We better not do this two times in a row. But throughout the month, they really have no idea what they have left to spend or, or where they can kind of move things around in their budget. They're not telling themselves no at all. They're just kind of rolling through it. And unless they really feel a pinch in their finances or some particular challenge, they just keep rolling, right? And a lot of people find themselves there. They they make enough money that um, they haven't felt a significant challenge or, or moment of crisis, but they're not really headed towards their goals. They're not really headed towards anywhere. They're just kind of making it through, right? And they and they feel like it's it's harmless, but they tend to get to a spot whether it's in you know, midlife, trying to figure out kids' college, or maybe it's towards the end of their career and they haven't paid much attention to retirement and they might very easily find themselves in a pickle, right? So the first step is to living below our means, actively budget, right? And that's that that third bit, the third stage of budgeting where every month we plan out where our money's going to go and we tell it to go there and then we track it and and make sure it goes there. Right. And we hold ourselves accountable to that. So the first step is actively budget. The second step is we've got to eliminate debt. And in a particular way, I'm talking about all our debt except our mortgage. So this would be car payments, student loans, credit card debt, personal loans, home equity loans, any place, any any area that we have a monthly payment to because we've borrowed money. Right. That that could also be debt to a family member or a friend. So we got to eliminate debt. Otherwise, it eats up too much of our income. Third, we need to prepare to handle the unexpected. Now, we have insurance to handle big unexpected things like death or medical expenses, even car wrecks. But we need to have an emergency fund to handle smaller unexpected things like car repairs, insurance deductibles, job loss. And then the last step, uh, the last element, number four, is save for the future. So we don't always know what the future holds. But for most of us, we have hopes, dreams, and goals. Maybe it's a new car, a wedding, a home purchase, retirement, whatever it might be. Having a saving strategy is key to a good financial plan. So what does active budgeting look like? And we've talked about some of this in some of the earlier podcasts. But the first thing we do if we're actively budgeting is we need to prioritize where our money goes. And then we need to track it weekly. So that's that's every month we... We make a plan for our money, then we track it weekly to make sure we're sticking to the plan. Because we because we need to ensure all the money goes where we told it to go. All monthly expenses can fall into two categories, needs and wants. Basic living expenses, those are needs. So those include food, shelter, clothing, and transportation to work. So food, that's basic groceries. It's not eating out. Food to sustain our being. So unless we have significant dietary restrictions, this amount is typically about $150 per person. You know, food costs have been going up 
And, you know, if you have a household of maybe just one or two people, you're probably going to be closer to the two or $300 per person range just because buying a quart of milk is more expensive than um, a gallon of milk. You know, it, it would be more expensive to buy four individual quarts of milk than a gallon of milk, right? So sometimes a larger family is going to have a smaller per person cost, right? And, and depending on how big your family is and how old your kids are, you might even be closer to 100 to $125 per person per month. And that's going to vary uh, depending on what your family's diet is, right? So that's food that wasn't eating out, right? We're talking about our basic needs here. So food, shelter. So that's mortgage, rent, utilities. I would include your you know, phone, your house insurance, right? It wouldn't include items like video subscriptions or you know, some type of cable package. Uh, those are entertainments and they fall into wants. Clothing, we need clothes, but we don't need to buy them every month. And we can also shop clearance racks and, and thrift stores, right? And then the last of our needs is transportation to work right? That's basic transportation to work. This could be a bus fare, parking expense, gas in the car, car insurance, tolls. It's not an excuse to have a $700 car payment or lease. That would be a want. But beyond these four items, those are wants. And we can absolutely include wants in a budget, but they can't take away from our needs. And even our wants should have a prioritized list, right? If you're married, you and your spouse need to agree on the priority. You don't need to spend all the rest of your money on wants because there's some other items we still need to fund. Track this budget in an app like Mint or Every Dollar or in a spreadsheet. You can even do it by hand in a notebook, but you need to use, you have to have some type of process and this, the best process is the one that you're going to stick to, right? But you have to do it and you need to start today. So the next thing is eliminate debt. So how do we eliminate debt? The first step in eliminating debt is to make a decision not to borrow money anymore. You can't bail out your ship if you're continuing to flood it with water. Do not borrow for emergencies. Don't borrow to purchase a vehicle. Don't sign up for 12 months, 0% financing. Um, and honestly, the hardest part for most people, I would recommend, stop using a credit card. You know, if you use a credit card, even if you pay it off every month, you're borrowing. You know, you're borrowing the money for 30 days for free at a 0%. But this is a behavior we want to change. We don't want to borrow on all our fronts if we're going to be trying to eliminate our debt. So if we have debt, it should appear in our budget right after our first four needs that we mentioned above, because these are obligations we have. We need to pay these off. And after we have that list of required payments, we need to determine how much money we have left to pay towards the debts uh, to eliminate them before we start funding our wants. So yes, you heard me. Put more money towards paying your debt off before you start spending money on your wants. This takes some real maturity. It requires us to say no to ourselves and maybe our kids. This is not an easy decision. It will usually take strong convictions on our part. If we're married, this can turn into a pretty lively discussion with our spouse. But the reason we eliminate our debt is that once it is gone, we get control of our money. We free up several dollars every month that you can repurpose towards achieving your goals. And you need to know what your goals are. If your goals aren't big enough, you're not going to say no to yourself. You're not going to make sacrifices to achieve your goals. Your goals have to be big. And we've talked about that. There's two prior podcasts talking about goal setting. So a quick 
story, if you, you haven't heard our whole story, but when my wife and I were beginning to get our finances under control, I remember looking at our first month's budget back in 2000, 2014. Between our home equity loan, two car loans, student loans, credit card debt, our minimum payments were a total of $1,800 every month, and the budget was beyond tight. And I remember thinking that once we had this debt cleared, that would free up $1,800 a month. Once it was gone, if we wanted, we could save up $18,000 in 10 months. That blew my mind. That could be a new-to-us car. I mean, it's a lot of money, $18,000. The idea was exciting, and it helped to fuel our resolve to eliminate the debt as quickly as we could. The next thing we have to do is be prepared to handle the unexpected. So being prepared to handle the unexpected, you know, as well as the expected, might feel like a luxury And we might feel that just in our current state, maybe in our current mindset, that's just unattainable. When we're living paycheck to paycheck, every money situation has the potential to create a major issue. We're so tight that one misstep could start a chain reaction like dominoes, everything falls and we enter a crisis. So how do we avoid this? We plan. So let's first talk about unexpected expenses that can show up in life. These items could be a job loss. Maybe it's a medical situation or bill, a car wreck, a car repair, a home repair. Maybe it's an appliance dying on us, right? And the truth is we can easily expect all of these to happen at some point. We just don't know when. So let's be prepared. You know, for some items like a car wreck or a medical situation, We have car insurance, health insurance, and home insurance that really help carry the load, right? We have our deductible, so we need to be prepared for that, but the insurance covers those big things, right? Cars break, repairs need to happen, so we do need to be prepared for those items. And if you're like me, before we're in control of our finances, I relied on, you know, credit cards for covering emergencies. But once we stopped using credit cards, it forced us to have an emergency fund that we use for emergencies, and it's awesome. Having an emergency fund that is the equivalent of three to six months of expenses should cover most emergencies. This isn't six months of income. It's six months of expenses, right? So so this isn't going to cover a job loss forever, right? The only cure for a job loss is finding a new job. But the emergency fund helps us to cover that income gap. It lowers the stress, lowers the anxiety, as we look for a new job, right? That's what the emergency fund is for. And the last piece to this is we need to save for the future, right? Finally, we clear up our debt, we can start to save for the future. Having a savings goal that includes retirement savings and other long-term goals is key to a sound financial plan. Having multiple sources of income and diverse investments is also good. But we don't want to put money towards anything if we're strapping ourselves with debt payments and if we succumb to impulse buys and other poor financial choices. Rather, we need to have a firm grasp on our finances where we make conscious choices about how we spend and save our money. When we eliminate our unnecessary expenses, we're able to save for big purchases. When we have a plan, we begin to see how other, maybe smaller decisions begin to affect the bigger picture. And having a plan can correct our mindset by showing us a new perspective and really a new lens to view our financial decisions. Once we get organized with a budget, we can eliminate our debt, 
We have a plan in place to defend against the unexpected, and we're able to start funding our dreams. That might be a a well-funded retirement account, a new car, a private island, or maybe it's the ability to be just incredibly generous or whatever we've dreamed about. We need to put in the effort if we want to see the results. So some good rules for long-term savings, you know, save 15% of your income into retirement once your debt's paid off, you know, and and it could be 10%, but 15% is a pretty good number to be saving. Make a plan for large expenses and create a sinking fund to handle them, right? And when income, when we get a raise, when income increases, don't be quick to expand your lifestyle. We've talked about that through lifestyle creep. Instead, first increase your savings. Why do we do all this? Why should we live below our means? Why should we do that? So I want to be clear. Order is good. Financial freedom is good. Right? Saving money, having financial goals, and creating a plan to get there, it's important. But why? It isn't just about having a great life. I firmly believe that our Heavenly Father has a plan for each of us. Right? I say it in the prayer every time I do a podcast. Everything we have belongs to Him, even our money and our ability to earn it. When we have everything in the proper order, we're better able to experience His blessings. We don't save for retirement so that we're rich and have an easy life and that we need to build bigger barns, but rather we are storing up so that in those moments of need, either ours or someone else's, we're able to respond to the Lord's promptings. It's very much like the story of Joseph in the Bible, right? When he interprets Pharaoh's dream about the seven years of harvest followed by the seven years of famine, if we consume it all in the good years, those thin years are going to kill us. So let's put ourselves in a position where we are able to respond to God's generosity and take care of our family and those he puts around us. You might be in a tough situation now, but you need to look at the overall picture. Is there an income problem? Do you need a second job? Is there an expense problem? Are your spending habits just out of control? Maybe you bought an expensive house and you're now drowning in mortgage payments. Maybe you aren't prepared for just common life events. The list can go on, but there is hope. If you first can identify the problem and then create a plan to live below your means so you can put yourself in a position to serve God and those he puts in your life, it's going to be awesome. So that's how and why we try to live below our means. If you've heard this, and you've got more questions, maybe some of the other things I spoke about, you can go back through some of the prior podcasts, and there's some helpful episodes there. Some on goal setting to just help try to shake out what are those big goals that are going to make living below your means worth it. Some of you might be in a spot where you feel like you don't have a problem, but you're just cruising along, and you wish there was a little bit more space than there is. Put some of these things we talked about into practice. Try these four different steps to living below your means, and you will feel like you got a raise, and you'll be excited with some of the new things you're able to do, whether it's saving, giving, or even maybe spending, maybe going on a great vacation you've dreamed about doing. But following these steps are sure to help you live below your means and make you feel like you got a little bit of a raise. 
If you know someone that this might be helpful to, please share the, the episode with them. Again, I'm trying to help as many people as I possibly can. So I hope this was helpful today. Thank you for joining me. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Catholic Money Talk. I hope you join us again next time. Please click subscribe in your podcast app to get notified of new episodes. God bless you and have a great day.